right before the class, my son called me up from camp. And he says, Tati, Dad, I just went water tubing. I said, wow, that's great. That's amazing. I, I have to admit that I was more than a bit distracted because I was trying to prepare my thoughts for the class. He says, Tati, do you know what water tubing is? I probably know what that is. Yeah. No, what water tubing is. He says, okay, Tati, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> so he, says, he said, okay, tell me what water tubing is. So he started telling me what water tubing is. And then he asked me, now, Tati, tell me what is water tubing? Oh, my God. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, I, I passed the test. You did. I did pass the test. At least he didn't, he didn't tell me if I was so off. <laughs> but the reason I'm mentioning this story is because it's very relevant to what I, I wanted to share today, which is about the idea of education. Every parent always questions their methods of education, every good parent, because uh, your children force you to question your methods because they don't always you know, fit into the box exactly what you thought they were going to turn out to be. And now is a very good time to talk about this because they, tonight's the 15th of Av. 15th of Av is numerically equivalent to Tiva Bachatima Tova. Times are wishing each other for a good new year. And uh, statistic, statistics show that people always Google uh, new diets on the beginning of a new year, new month. That's when people are always trying to start new things. So the most important thing in our lives is education, educating our children. So it's good to take a fresh look at the methods of how, what we're doing towards our children and uh, how we're communicating with them. And this is relevant also, this week's Torah portion, uh, this week's Torah portion talks about teaching Torah to your children. We read in this week's Torah portion the section of Shema and teach the Torah to your children. What's interesting is the Torah has a mitzvah to just teach information to your children, teach them Torah doesn't say to educate them. There's a difference between teaching them Torah and, tr- and educating them. Teaching them Torah means tell them information. Let's say you're a mathematician. You could teach your children about math, but then that doesn't teach them to become a mathematician. To become a mathematician, you have to do certain kind of training to become a mathematician. It's, different, it's a different thing. So too, regarding the, observing the Torah, there's one thing, knowing Torah. There's a whole different thing to learn how to keep the Torah. And there is an obligation to do that. We, t- we teach our children, we train them, we teach them how to say a bracha, we educate them how to say, say the blessings before they eat, how to say Shema before going to sleep. But all the things that we do are actually not an obligation of the Torah. It doesn't say in the Torah itself to educate. It says to teach information, but it doesn't say to educate. The question is why. It's such an important thing. It's the most important thing there, there is. And why is it that the Torah doesn't tell us to do this? Why is it something that we have to, so to speak, figure out ourselves? So, you might say that, well, the child really, there is maybe an obligation to um, educate, because let's say, for example, mitzvah sukkah. Mitzvah sukkah is to go in the sukkah when the holiday comes and to eat the meals of the sukkah inside the, inside the sukkah. And you can't build a sukkah, you can't sit in the sukkah unless you build a sukkah before. So maybe when the Torah tells us to t- tell our children to put on tefillin, tell our children to keep kosher, to tell our children to pray, maybe that included in that obligation is already to prepare for it. But we see from a couple of places that there's no obligation to do that. There's no obligation to train before. Two examples. Let's say someone wants to convert to Judaism, right? They 
nowadays there's a very uh, sophisticated process and uh, the process is you lock the door tight and you wait till someone is brave enough to bang it down and then, then they can become <laughs> Jewish. And the reason they do that today is because uh, unfortunately a lot, of, a lot of people who are converting because they want to play basketball in Israel, they want to get married to someone, so they're not really sincere. That's why we lock the door and to see who is sincere, they, they have to really show and really try. It's not easy, not an easy process at all. But in the official way to become Jewish, in the Talmud, from the perspective of the Talmud, the, rule, the strict rule of the Talmud is, as long as a guy knows a few of the rules, and he's ready to do it, he can become Jewish. But the question is, one second, how can he become Jewish? He has to know how to be Jewish. He has to know how to put on the tefillin. He has to know how to keep kosher. Why is that sufficient? The answer is that there's no obligation to be Jewish. Right now, before he's Jewish, there's no mitzvah yet upon him. The mitzvah starts once he becomes Jewish. So that we see that until you have an obligation, there's no obligation. We have an obligation to put up a sukkah, therefore to build the sukkah before. But the child is not yet bar mitzvah, he has no obligation yet to keep any of the mitzvah before because he's not bar mitzvah yet. So there's no, that's why there's no mitzvah for the child, but to teach the child because there's no obligation yet upon the child. Some more thing when God gave us the Torah. We know before God gave us the Torah, uh, when God gave us, there's a custom on the day that God gave us the Torah rather to eat dairy. Why do we eat dairy foods? Because when God gave us the Torah, so we didn't have any properly prepared slaughtered meat because we didn't have the laws before, and therefore we had nothing to eat but dairy. It's one explanation that's given. But one second, if God gave us the Torah, why did He tell us, "Hey, guys, from from Saturday and on, you have to keep kosher, and therefore let me tell you what to do to get ready for Saturday." Why did He do that? The answer is, is because until there is a mitzvah, there's no mitzvah. Once obligation begins, obligation begins. So too with children, still told their bar mitzvah, there's no obligation yet, and therefore the Torah doesn't put an obligation until there is an obligation. That's a simple reason, but the deeper reason. deeper reason is very important, because it tells us about the essence of education. There's a similar phenomena of something very important, critical, fundamental, that the Torah doesn't tell us to do. In order to um, have any relationship with Hashem, or to do a mitzvah, period, what's a mitzvah mean? A mitzvah means a commandment from God. In order for there to be a commandment from God, I first have to accept God as my commander. I have to first say that God is, I can accept God as my king. And once I accept God as my king, then I could talk about being commanded to do A, B, and C. But until God commands me, until I, God is my commander, He can't tell me to do anything. So before there's such a concept of the mitzvah, there's another concept of accepting God as your king. That you have a relationship with God. You're in a relationship with God. You know, on Facebook, there's three statuses, right? There's married, there's this, and there's, it's complicated, right? So before we begin, before we begin keeping the commandments of God, the first step is, it's not complicated. We're in a relationship. You are my God, and I am, and I am your child, and, I, and I'm in a relationship with you. That's the very first step. Until we have that core bond, there's no such thing as a mitzvah. And yet, there's no obligation to accept God as your king. Why not? If that relationship has to because you can't have a commandment to accept God as your king because it's higher than a mitzvah. It's beyond the mitzvah. It's not an official commandment. It's before there's a commandment. It's deeper than a commandment. Commandment indicates some kind of distance between the one who's being commanded and the one who was commanded. Before there's such a thing as a mitzvah, there's a Jew and Hashem, and they're one, and therefore a Jew has relationship with Hashem. It's automatic. It's something which comes from within, deep within our soul. Not because we're told to do it, because this is who we are. It's kind of like dancing a Simchat Torah. There's no official mitzvah to dance a Simchat Torah. Although there's no official mitzvah, it's higher than a mitzvah. It comes from within us. We dance because we want to be with God. We want to dance the Torah. So too with education. The reason we educate our children is because we're excited about it. And we love it. And that's 
how and why and what education means according to Torah. To understand this a little better, there's a teaching of the Rebbe HaShab, a very important teaching. The Rebbe HaShab said that just like it's an obligation to put on film every day, all of us did that, right? You all did that? You all do this every day? The same, you know, you keep that, that's at the higher echelons of Judaism, it's, Judaism, it's really important. On that same level, it's an obligation to think every day about that education of your children. On the same level. Same, just like if you think after you, after you put on tefillin, it's a biblical obligation, so there's an absolute obligation every day to think about the education of your children. Now, the words he uses are very specific. What do you say? It's an obligation to what? Not to talk about it, not to do something about it. It's an obligation to, quote, to think about it. What does that mean? To understand this, we have to first look at another verse. The Torah says, Educate a child according to his, to his ways, according to his path. Darko. Darko. What does that mean? To understand what the Rabbi Hashab means, and what King Solomon means when he says, educate a child according to his path, let's go back to a story which, which we discussed a few times before, the story of Yeshu. Talmud says that there was a king, <laughs> J.C. Oh, you got it. So, um, Talmud says that there was a king named Yanai. And Yanai killed most of the Jewish sages, except for one of them, Rabbi Shubh ben Prachya. Rabbi Shubh ben Prachya had to escape to Alexandria, to Egypt. And in Alexandria, in Egypt, he um, was told by his friend, Rabbi Shubh ben Shetach, the king has stopped his, his, his murderous attitude towards the sages. It's safe. Come back. On the way back, he and his top student, who I just mentioned before, uh, they stayed at a, in a, an inn. And the proprietor of the inn was very kind to them. They gave him a lot of honor. So Rabbi Shubham Prakhi said, Wow, what a kind, nice person. What, and what a great person. And his students said, I don't like her eyes. Her eyes are ugly. So Rabbi Shubham Prakhi expelled him from the yeshiva. He said, this is the way you're speaking. This is what you're, what you're thinking about. You don't belong in the yeshiva. <coughs> and the Talmud continues and says that he tried to come back many, many times until Rabbi Shubham Prakhi was middle of saying Shema. A while was middle of saying Shema, he came and he had said to himself, the student said to himself, I'll try one more time if he accepts me good, if he doesn't accept me, forget it. And Shubham Prachi said to himself, I'll do the same, I'll, if he comes one more time, I'll accept him. But since he was middle of Shema, he told him to wait for a second. What happened, sorry, I missed the first one. What happened then you had to ask forgive me again? Because he, 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 he was thinking about the, um, when he said that the, the proprietor of the inn was very nice, he thought he was talking about her physical beauty, which was which was something that a, a which which he, a student of the Talmud shouldn't be thinking about, shouldn't be th- looking at. Not, so, I was thinking that. Right, 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 right. So even, he, he couldn't even imagine a higher perspective. Anyway, so so uh, when he came back, that he said that he he because he was middle of Shema, he said, "Wait a second, or didn't say just hint to wait a second. And the student thought he's saying, "Get out of here! I don't want to see you ever again." That's what he thought he was saying. Just said, "Wait." And so his student left, and he started his own thing. Until today, there's, there's suffering all over the world because of this. Created such anti-Semitism and such confusion. Pushing so, too much. Pushing so too what much. does the Talmud say? What are you supposed to learn from the story? The Talmud says you're supposed to learn the story the following. With a child and with your spouse, you should always have your, your left hand pushing away and your right hand bringing close. What's the meaning of your left hand pushing away and your right hand bringing close? What does the Talmud mean? So people always say this means your left hand is your weaker hand, and your right hand is your stronger hand. If you need to use discipline, so use discipline, use your left, and use your weaker hand. 
but what should be coming out of you and with a full force with all your heart should be love and kindness your right hand your stronger hand should bring close that's what that's how some interpret this um, the right means a stronger hand others say when you pick up a cup of water which hand do you use right. your right hand what if it's too heavy something's too heavy and you use both hands so start first with the right hand if it doesn't work then you have to use discipline that's how some people say but the question is the Talmud doesn't say that the Talmud says first start with your left hand and then with your right hand first at the left hand push away and then with the right hand bring close why did it say it that way we know even when we get dressed we're always supposed to put on our right arm right uh, sleeve before the left sleeve right shoe before the left shoe unless, unless of course you're lefty then you have different order but even when you get dressed you're always supposed to do right before left and even practically, thinking about my, how Maimonides describes education. Maimonides says, with your children, you know how you should educate them, says Maimonides. You should give them nuts and raisins and encourage them, give them prizes. And, and that's how you should educate children. Start with the right. Or just think about this practically. Imagine, uh, I won't say anyone's name, let's say Tomer you know, gets married, goes into the chuppah, and he, uh, and he you know, in the class, you always treat your spouse with the left hand pushing go away, right hand bringing close. He says, okay, the Gemara Sipurim, I was, all the stories are done right now. Now let me tell you the rules. You're going to do this. You're going to start baking and, and cleaning. And, or else. Honeymoon is over. <laughs> right? This is what I expect every day. So, so that's what Talmud says. It says start with the left hand. So some people say it means, well, start with the right hand, switch to the left hand, but always end with the right. That's what some people say. That's not what it says, though. It doesn't say start with the right, then go to the left, go back. It should have said that if that's what it meant. What does it mean when it says you should have your left hand pushing away your child and your right hand bringing him close? Start with the left hand. The answer is like this. Kabbalah teaches us that right, kindness is about giving. You give when you speak. You communicate. You're giving. You're, you're revealing. You're sharing. That's, 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 that's the right hand. The left hand is silence. When a child grows up two, three years old, we teach a child, say Abba, say this, say that. We don't teach a child how to be quiet. One of the most important things is not just to know what to say, but to know what not to say. Like Yankel, Yankel is a poor guy who he, he hadn't eaten for three days. He knocks on his door. You're not talking about me, obviously. No, no, not about you. <laughs> no, no, no. He wasn't sure until he said that. <laughs> Yankel knocks on the door, Beverly Hills. He's so hungry, he hasn't eaten for three days. Knocks on the door, his lady answers the door. And he says, listen, please help me. I haven't eaten three days. He says, wow, what restraint. I wish I could do that. You know, there's some things that you may be thinking, but not the time to say it. So that's the first thing we learn. But it goes much deeper than that. The left hand doesn't just mean the ability to be silent. The right hand doesn't just mean the ability to give and to share and to communicate. The left hand means to limit yourself, to hold yourself back, to stop yourself from giving, and to hold yourself in, and to understand and to think about where your student, where your child, where the person you're trying to communicate is. To give them space and to, le- and to hear where they are. Every family, you know, they want their child to be some ch- family. They want their son to be the, the, the next uh, Magic Johnson, the next Michael Jordan. They want their son to be a businessman. They want him to be Bill Gates. They want him to be the, a, a, the, the head of the yeshiva. Every family... No one asked him what he wants to be. Right, right. And so, so, so that's the idea of the left hand. The left hand means you, that, you, that you hold yourself back from giving your child. You hold yourself back from saying to where you want them to go. And you instead think about where your child is and what they need. There was once a little girl came by the Rebbe with her, her doll. The Rebbe would give every person a dollar. When it comes, she comes by with her doll, 
So she's, the Rebbe says to the girl, what's your doll's name? What's your baby's name, the Rebbe said? So the secretary of the Rebbe is like, well, it's not really a baby, it's a doll. You know, he thinks he doesn't answer to the Rebbe. The Rebbe doesn't even respond to it. The Rebbe says, what's your baby's name? She says, Chayimushka. The Rebbe gives her a dollar for Chayimushka. The idea of education means to go down to the mind of the child and to feel, and to, and feel the child. A lot of Rebbe told a friend of mine that education is like shooting deer. But education of a teenager. You're not trying to like, to, to, if you try to shoot the deer where the deer is, you're going to miss. You have to shoot where the deer is where going, going. Where it's going. So too, sometimes a father brings a child to the synagogue with a bag of chips and with a strong right hand or left hand. And here's the child. You're going to look inside and you're going to say every word and you pay attention and if you do, it, going to give you a bag of chips. If not, you know what's going to happen. So the child is like, okay, he's glued to the sitter and he, he says every word with the sitter and he gets a bag of chips. The father thinks, fantastic, what an, ed- what an educator I am. He's not an educator. You know what he is? He's a trainer. He's a trainer of animals. He's trying to tame the animal. He should say the words. He's not thinking about what kind of world do I want my child to have inside of him? How do I want him to look at the world? How do I want him to think? How do I want him to feel? He's just trying to get him to do stuff. He's not trying to think about where the... He's trying to create a person. He's just trying to create, create an action. He's not thinking about the child's world where he wants him to be. That's the idea of the left. The idea of the left is that you hold yourself back from giving. And it's not about today what the child's going to do. It's about creating a whole world in this person. Creating something in this person that the child wants to dab. He, he loves to dab. You don't want him to dab him today. You want him to love to dab him. Your, your role isn't that he should say the words. Your role is that he should be educated. What's educated mean? That you actually taught him something that this is, what you're doing is meaningful. You have a deeper understanding. When you have a 14-year-old teenager and you tell him Hashem is he's waiting, the Malachim and the Shamaim now waiting for you to daven Mincha. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And, and, and your tefillah probably more than anyone because you're younger and your tefillah is a kind. Wow, yeah, okay, I understand. Okay, so we should go to Aven Mincha in the shul in, 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 in Minyan. Yes, yes, we should. Yes, okay. Uh, I'll be right there. And then he takes his phones and keep checking WhatsApp messages. Listen, and listen. Keep, uh, eh, they're in the phone all the time. Eita, <laughs> we could talk about a specific scenario. But before we do, let's at least know the approach. Your approach is not what you're going to say. Your approach is to stop. To stop. Don't say anything. What did Abra Shab say? Spend a half hour and think about the child. Go down to the mind of the child. Go down to where they are. You have a lot of great things to say about davening. Are any of those things meaningful to him? No, he maybe they are. Let's play maybe a game on not. the cell phone. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but, but that's where we have to start. To start is that's where his mind is. His mind is in the cell phone. Why is the mind in the cell phone? That's where it starts. That's why this guy tried to try to get his uh, three huge bags of coffee, coffee beans, through customs, and going to Israel, he's has these three big bags of coffee. So the 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 agent, the government agent, looks at him and says, "What are you doing with these three bags of coffee? You didn't you didn't, you didn't denounce them." He says, this is, I'm just feeding this for the birds. Birds? Let's open up these bags. He opens the bags. It's the coffee beans. What is, it's not bird food. He says, listen, I serve it to the birds. If they want it, they'll eat it. <laughs> Some parents think that's what they're supposed to do. They think, I have to serve it, and what they'll take if they want it. That's not at all education. That's what Deborah Hashem said. The mitzvah is not to speak, not to, not to train, not to spend time to do A, B, and C. It's to stop and to think where the child is. To stop, to use your laugh and to limit yourself. Yaakov Avinu, in this week's Torah portion, we have the, the verse of Shema. In the verse of Shema, the first one to say Shema was Yaakov. What happened? Yaakov wanted to tell his children when Mashiach was going to come. All of a sudden, Hashem took away the ability to see the future. And Yaakov suspected that maybe one of his children 
didn't deserve to hear this news. So, all, so the children realized their father suspected them. So they said to their father, Yaakov, Shema Yisrael, listen to our father Yaakov. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, God is our God, God is one. And the Talmud says, they continued and said, they meant to say, just like in your heart, all there is one. All there is is oneness of Hashem. So to in our heart, all there is is Hashem Echad. Just like in your heart, so to in our heart. That's what they said. Yaakov is excited. Yaakov says, Baruch, Shenko, Mechut, Alamad, blessed be the name, the glory of the sovereignty forever and ever. Question is, why did they go to this sentence? Just like this is in your heart, so to this is in our heart. Why did they do that sentence? Just say, there's only oneness in Hashem in our heart. They were telling us a very important thing that we don't necessarily know, or a fact that we haven't necessarily accepted. Children have incredibly good antennas. They really feel, they really feel what's going on. So you want your child to believe in Hashem Echad, you want to have, it starts with you feeling it and being excited about it yourself. That's where it starts. It starts, with, what is in your heart, that's what you can give to them. The children feel where the Serve things are. Your, example. That's, a, that's, a, that's the strongest thing you have. The strongest thing you have is, is your example. There was this um, Jew who, um, he, he was in, living in Russia when Rabbi Shomer Lau visited Russia right after Pestroika, um, and they were allowing rabbis to visit Russia. And uh, you, you were there Yankee at all? You ever did some time in Yeah, you told me, you told me, yeah, yeah. So he went to, um, I think it was, it was in Moscow. It was in Moscow. And the, everyone's very excited. This rabbi came from Israel, Rabbi Lau, very prominent rabbi. They're excited to meet him. And one guy says to Rabbi Lau, you know, I really wish that things wouldn't be uh, the, the same as they were before you got here. I know as soon as you leave, it's all going to go back to the same. Now everyone's excited. There's a rabbi here. But once you leave, all this excitement of Judaism, it's all going to disappear. Rabbi Lau was very touched. And they're walking together back to Rabbi Lau's hotel. Rabbi Lau says, you know what? I met a lot of government officials here. They gave me all kinds of, of commitments to work with the Israeli government. I'm going back to Israel tomorrow, and you're going to go on the plane with me. The guy is so excited. He hugs Rabbi Lau. He kisses him. He says, I want to thank you from the depth of my soul. You know what you're saying to me? This is such a great gift. And as they get up to the hotel, he says to Rabbi Lau, says, you know what? I can't go. I can't go. I can't. Why can't you go? He says, my daughter married a non-Jewish man. And they have two children. And every Sunday, they come to my house. And I put on my best, my best um, tablecloth. And I give them, and I save, I save some money. And I get them herring. I know, whatever. That's what the kids liked, I guess. And I get them good herring. And I give them, and I give them the, the best things that I have. And I tell them about their grandfather, Abraham, the grandfather, Isaac, and Jacob. And I said, if I go, there'll be no one there to pass the torch to them. No one will be there to pass the torch. So he says, I can't go. He stays. Many years later, Rabbi Lau is talking to Israeli soldiers. He tells them the story. And one of the soldiers gets up and says, I am one of those two boys. That was, that was, my, that was my dad. That was my dad. Wow. The bottom line is, this, this, this Shabbat, the power of the Shabbat is about educating our children. And education starts with not educating. Educating starts with not talking, with not saying anything. With stopping and thinking where the child is and not just being like the guy who's giving the, the, the um, coffee beans to the birds, but to go down to the mind of the child and think where they are and give them what they need to have a geschmack 
to create a, their inner world. They're, they're, they, in their inner world, they see that the things that you feel are beautiful and exciting, that they should, how do you present to them that they should also feel those things are beautiful and exciting? That's the goal. Not, not to get them to do A, B, and C, not to get them to say the words. Your goal is, how can, I, how can I give them something in their world to animate them and inspire them? Not to train them like a monkey. Blah, 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 blah. That's not the goal. The goal is to, tra- to, to inspire and to and lift them. That, that, they, that, that Judaism should mean something to them. And that the Mitzvah Shem Hashem will bless us all Amen. to do this. Mamish. <coughs> Uh, to, not, to reach a time when no one will have to educate anyone else. Coming a Mashiach, part of Mamish, when Amen. Mashiach will educate us all. Amen.